Hey, Tommy, did you hear about the cheese factory in France? I, I did not. It exploded. There was nothing left but debris. Ugh. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> uh. I apologize to, to everyone that had to hear me do that. Uh, apologize for nothing. <laughs> yeah. I regret nothing. Uh, if you don't like dad jokes, get out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You are at the wrong podcast. Uh, it's quickly becoming a tradition at this point. Uh, two episodes in. I mean, that's, uh, you know, any podcast that just begins with, I don't know, somebody saying like, Welcome to Molding Masculinity. Every single week is a terrible podcast, and you should turn yeah, it off. <laughs> exactly. It's bad, and you should feel bad for doing it. And we're too cheap to have intro music. That's for rich people. Yeah, so if you you know want us to have intro music, there's a Patreon, but we'll get to that at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, all... so, yeah, today we're talking about uh, something that's not uh, funny, uh, which is uh, shaken baby syndrome and emotional capacity. Um, I have a personal story. Uh, I didn't have a baby with shaken baby syndrome, fortunately, uh, but um, I do have sort of something in this sphere from my experience that um, I'll share. And, you know, we'll just be talking about that and how it relates to emotional capacity. So, um, you know, Let's get into it. Tommy, what is shaken baby syndrome? Yeah, so as a uh, certified baby doctor, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a doctor of any kind. But um, in a general kind of a sense, uh, it is uh, as babies are very small, very fragile and young and developing, uh, and their brains are in the processes of developing, they're more susceptible to a number of types of brain injuries. Uh, some of those are, um, I can't remember the name for this, but it's when the brain disconnects from the brain stem. This is a, um, a brain injury that can happen in adults, uh, but it is much more common, uh, easy, it's much more uh possible to have happen in babies because they uh, don't have as much as as much musculature around their uh, neck in that area they have floppy heads as we all know with babies and so when you shake them and the head flops uh, there, there's a risk of that also uh, risks of brain hemorrhaging uh, as the brain impacts the insides of the skull and does things that in adults might uh, be a nfl um uh, a head injury, a, a concussion or something like that. For a baby with a developing brain, that can be fatal. Uh, it can cause brain bleeds uh, and, and babies being being with very little blood. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's all bad. It's all bad. Uh, and they are much more fragile and uh, we need to be more careful with them. So in a nutshell from somebody who is not a doctor, um, that is shaken baby syndrome. It's a situation where a baby has been shaken and then it dies within uh, 24 to 48 hours uh, due to a brain injury from that case of having been shaken. Yep. So shaken baby syndrome most often occurs uh, from uh, a parent who gets into uh, a extremely heightened emotional state, often anger, um and in a loses control uh and uh you know shakes the baby in frustration or uh whatever emotional state that they're in 
And uh, so, you know, a lot of, ultimately, a lot of the cases of this come down to um, a lack of emotional capacity to handle uh, infinite behavior, which stems from a lot of things. Uh, emotional capacity is a big complicated thing. Um, it's, um, you know, related to, you know, there's individual biological things, there's underlying mental conditions, there's um, just a degree of mental preparedness, like how much were you expecting babies to cry versus how much does your baby actually cry, you know, uh, and uh, a number of other things. And we'll get into emotional capacity here in a second. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, talking about this, a um, shaking baby syndrome generally has to do with a, a failure of the parent to be able to emotionally handle um, a very uh, a very poignant moment of heightened stress, which I think pretty much inevitably occurs with any uh, kid, especially when they're very, very young. Um, and so um, this happened to me. Um, it was uh, um, a big inflection point in my um, self-assessment of mental health as well. Um, for context, things that I understand now that I definitely didn't even back then, um, I have uh, adult ADHD. Um, I'm medicated for that now, but at the time I did not know and I was not medicated and a big problem with ADHD is emotional regulation. Um, that's not a, an excuse. Uh, I didn't, you know, do anything bad particularly. Um, it's more just setting the sort of framework in the background here. Um, and so just there's some underlying mental issues there. And just uh, for my first kid, I was not coming at it from a you know, well-informed, you know, leftist thoughtful perspective at the time, I was still, you know, coming, you know, still, still religious, still semi-conservative, libertarian-ish as a kind of a mess, uh, politically speaking, but I was in this space of just, you know, kind of approaching that parenting from like the, the, the way that parenting is often talked about in more conservative circles of just like, you know, oh, you know, it's natural. You figure it out. Don't worry about it. You just kind of, you're never ready. You just kind of jump in, you do it and you know, it gets done and you're good at the end of the day. Uh, that is terrible advice as I have come to learn. Uh, but at the time, you know, that's where I was at. Um, it's inevitable that with an infant and quite frankly, for the first few years of a kid's life, um, they don't have a clear model of the world. Um, the best way I've ever heard this put was by uh, the author John Green, who said, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but said something to the effect of babies have two moods. They have, I am ecstatically happy and things could be better. And when things could be better, they cry. Um, and so that's a lot to take, um, especially in an instance where that's happening a lot. Uh, my baby wasn't colicky, but certainly, um, you know, 
any baby is eventually going to hit a moment where they want something, they can't communicate what that is, even if they could, it might not be reasonable, and they just keep crying. They won't stop, and for one reason or another, you can't or won't separate yourself from the situation. And it's a big um, moment in parenting that everyone faces to some degree. Um, and if you aren't prepared for it, and I certainly was not, um, you can make a big mistake. Um, I almost did. Um, and that's kind of where my story is. I, I had that moment. I remember exactly where I was sitting, exactly where it was, and it just wouldn't stop. And I just kept getting more and more and more heightened. I had no tools for recognizing that in myself at the time and no ability to understand good ways of coping with that. And I almost did. I felt the urge to just like snap him out of it, you know, just shake it and hope that he snaps out of it type thing. And I almost did. And then I realized what I was about to do and had a panic moment. And I very quickly got my wife, had her take the baby and just went into a different room and calmed down. And I came out and said, I need to go see someone about this problem that I have, this anger problem that I'm having right now. I can't keep doing this. This is dangerous. Um, and that was a Kickstarter for me getting on a mental health journey that led me eventually years and years and years down the line to, uh, I initially got diagnosed with the depression and uh, tried various medicines that never quite hit the spot for me and, you know, kind of went on it on and off and on and off various medications, eventually arriving a friend of mine pointed out, uh, or my child, actually, my oldest child, the one that I was, you know, had almost had this horrible mistake with, um, you know, grew up and started going to school. He got diagnosed with ADHD. And in listening to topics about that, I realized, oh, wait, I might have this too. And sure enough, uh, and the medicines for that worked a lot better for me. So here I am, much better medicated for the mental issues and the deficiencies that my brain was born with as well as um, just having a better perspective about mental health in general. But um, I say all that to say, um, it's not the, um, this is not a problem only for bad parents who can't handle babies. It is, it is a problem for everyone and people are varying degrees of equipped for it. And um, it's a mistake that anyone can make. It's really difficult to imagine uh, and nothing will uh, to imagine how difficult um, that is to have this thing that you're responsible for and no one else is going to do it and there's no one else there to help and you have to do the thing and it just keeps making this sound that is deeply deeply unpleasant and it won't stop no matter what and um it, it it's a mistake that anyone can make not not that's not to say that it's acceptable or you know okay it's to say specifically that like if you think that you're going to sit there and you're going to be above this and you don't have to worry about it, this is only a mistake that people who have anger problems or underlying mental conditions make or whatever, it's not true. 
It is a moment of failure. Um, and it is very, very easy. You do not have to be very strong. You do not have to shake them for minutes on end. You do not have to have a huge, it just has to be a brief moment where you just don't think straight and because you have slept for two hours over the past 48 and you do something that you will regret for the rest of your life. And it almost happened to me and that moment has haunted my brain for the rest of my life, but it fortunately did not result in my son's injury or death. Um, so um, I just wanted to share that because I want people to understand that like, it's not, we're not sitting here. I, I at least, you know, I'm not sitting here talking about it from the perspective of, you know, uh, you know, hand waving away the, the unreal underlying difficulty of handling a, crying baby for um days on end with very little sleep um it's very real to me yeah no no i your experience is very valid and i think that's why you know, the, the the recommendation a recommendation from uh healthcare providers from my healthcare provider that i think is very important is that in the case that you have in any way um shaken your baby um, on accident or um, in in this type of a situation of weakness or emotional deregulation or any situation, um, you need to go to a hospital immediately. Take the baby to a hospital immediately. Uh, it is very critical. Even if oh, well, everything seems fine, he seems fine, the nature of brain injuries is he, you need to go to a hospital immediately. Um, and and that is just an important thing to keep in mind because of exactly that framework of this. This is not something that is, uh, it, it's not you know something we talked about in our last podcast that I think is important to bring over into this podcast is that the framework of good people versus bad people, this dichotomous view of the world as good and bad, isn't particularly helpful. And this is a situation where it shows that it's where this becomes very particularly unhelpful because we are, I think a lot of people uh, often specifically I'll say you know, in from my experience coming from like conservative parental spaces, uh, there's a viewpoint put on this and many, many other parenting things that it's like, well, you're just endowed by God the ability to parent children. And if you make a mistake like this, well, then that's just a sign that you are really bad you are an evil person and therefore you have failed and that failure is complete and ending um and that is not a helpful framework and I, i'm not you know i'm not approaching this from a philosophical point of view of what is you know a right or incorrect framework i'm saying this isn't a helpful framework because once that framework is in place there's no way to correct behaviors and cause improvement um it is much more helpful to look in, at these situations as from the behavioral and from the um, ex, uh, from the I, I don't really know how to say it other than the point of view of reality, which is to say You're that, a moral yeah, pragmatist. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, exactly. What it's a, that's a legit philosophical position, <laughs> as at least from my understanding, not a philosophy major. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is yeah, the situation where you have been 
going for weeks on end for two hours of sleep uh, at a time um, and something is pushing you to a, a limits that you have never seen before and inside of a framework of masculinity many of us have only been taught how to handle that type of frustration with aggression um, so that's what we result to without thinking about it. You know, there are a hindbrain acting without our, our forebrain acting, uh, which is not the most medically accurate framework, but either way, we're going to come to that when I talk about some advice for prevention for this. Um, so something that something we've already talked about, of course, is just mindfulness of your situation, recognizing these environments when they are approaching and when they happen. Um, something that was recommended to me in classes and parenting classes that I agree with is, and then that you kind of reflected in your story is, um, that when you feel this approaching, when you've practiced that mindfulness to say, Oh, I am reaching a breaking point where I might do something I wouldn't, whether I wouldn't choose to do you need to remove yourself from the situation. And this is true outside of parenting. This is a, you know, a fundamental of emotional, of, of handling our emotions is recognizing when, oh, I'm about to not be able to handle the situation. I need to remove myself from the situation. Um, and so that's, yeah, put, set, you know, set the baby down on its back in a, you know, in a, in a safe in a bassinet or however, the yeah, safe situation, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, and you know, and in in a safe space, safe environment, and step back, just step back, step out of the room if you have to. Um, I think you brought an important point into this. Of uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, and one thing I'm going to interject here is something that I have in hindsight that I did not have at the time. Um, I heard a lot of like advice uh, related to this and anger management and all kinds of stuff that was um, this kind of like, oh, well, pay attention. And when you start to feel that way, step away or breathe or count to 10 or whatever, any number of things. I understand now that because of a brain deficiency, that was not my experience. And I just assumed that people were just good at this and I sucked at it. Um, but so if you're hearing some of that and your reaction is like, yeah, okay, that's nice. But like, the thing is, I get mad really fast, or I get upset really fast, and I don't ever notice when it's happening. It just goes from zero to 100. That was my experience. That's how I almost made the mistake, because it went from zero to 100 to 200 to 300, because that's how crying babies operate if you are you know don't have any good emotional regulation. Uh, and if you have that feeling of like you go from zero to 100, I'm not going to certainly diagnose anyone here. Go get checked out. It may not be anything. Maybe it's a particular problem that you have and it's not related to it. But for me, that was a very clear symptom of ADHD, which that inability to emotionally regulate has to do with the, the brain deficiency in my executive system. So like my point being like, this advice works for neurotypical people and if you're hearing this advice and think like, yeah, that's nice. I hear that all the time, but it doesn't really work. Maybe go get checked out because you may need medication to regulate your brain to a more neurotypical state because 
when you have a small thing that you're responsible for, um, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, maybe the world should be arranged to be, you know, more friendly to neurodivergence. And then there's like, I can't control my anger and I shake a baby. Like, there's no amount of changing the environment of, you're not going to change the environment of babies crying. You're not going to change the environment of having an emotional reaction to that. Like, you need the medication. Um, so I just wanted to interject to say, like, if you're having that reaction to this advice, because I did when I heard it, it's probably there's a very real chance that you may have an underlying neurodivergence that you might want to get checked out for because this advice does work. And I have noted it because as I started taking good ADHD medication, I started noticing an experience I'd never had before, which is I started going like, okay, this thing might happen and I might get upset about it. But when it happens, I'm going to decide right here and now that I'm going to react like this and I'm going to have this kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I never approached this thing. I never had the mental space to even have that thought process of of thinking in terms of paying attention to my own state and recognizing when I'm going to do that thing and having a planned reaction to it and all that stuff. So I have the experience of, of both sides of that. And it is real. Like the, the thing, this advice is real for people that have functioning executive systems. Yeah. And I mean, and so another piece of that advice that I got that in for similarly to me is, was not a fully complete piece of advice is breathing exercises. So, okay. So you set the baby down, um, you know, you don't let perfect get in the way of, 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 uh, 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 What's the word I'm trying to say here? Um, Not the enemy of good. Yeah, don't let perfect become the enemy of good. You know, set the baby down, step aside. The baby's going to be okay. It's safe. It's fine. Um, and then they say to do breathing exercises. And the breathing exercises they give are just breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Do it to a count of 10 or whatever. Um, and that, for me, is an incomplete one. Like, okay, that doesn't help me. That does not, it has never helped me when I'm, in a overstimulated situation. Um, however, a huge turning point for me fairly recently was um, shared to me from somebody who suffers from PTSD. And there's things I won't get into that are lead to traumas that like trauma issues that I have, issues with trauma response. So this is typically where I'm entering a space where I need to go through a breathing exercises where I'm, I've ran into a trauma response. And so they were explaining that they had been taught to breathe in differential numbers. So like another, like what I'm trying to say is they would breathe in like, let's say twice and then breathe out three times. So in twice, out three times and do that repeatedly. And the important thing there being that difference in how many times you're breathing in versus how many times you're breathing out. And that that difference in those caused them to step back from their brain going into a full trauma response mode where they're just operating off of that hindbrain and not thinking about their actions. They're not processing anything. It's just, you know, input output. Um, it, it allowed, it, it gave them that mind space to step back. And I found that it works for me in much the same way. Um, and I, you know, when they told me that, and I, I knew this before I took these parenting classes. And so when they're describing this in the parenting class, I'm like, this added little bit of information seems like it would make so much more sense. 
but also they're teaching this class for neurotypical people. This is a piece of information for people who have significant past trauma. Um, and also, though, this is a situation that, again, is much more critical for people with issues with emotional regulation, which include ADHD and also include people with past trauma. Um, you know, and once you reach that certain, you you know, this crying baby is telling you that you are in an emergency situation. And finally, your brain decides to wake up and say, this is an emergency situation. We're going to act, we're going to activate PTSD mode and every input becomes an output. And uh, yeah, it's, it's. Yeah. And I'll, I'll sort of like add, add to this this sense of you know you mentioned don't let perfect be the enemy of good and i, I want to give that like enough emphasis here because this is a lesson that you know i learned through my experiences with my kids when they were very young which was uh, a repeated lesson that applied many times over um in that like you have to consider the advice that you get and the optimal situation that is often presented to you with the reality that you exist in for example uh we you know they'll advise you when you have a new baby to keep it in the room with you keep it in a bassinet here and you know be able to respond to it immediately and then roll back over and go to sleep and that's supposed to give you better rest and more rest and all that stuff unless you have a child like mine who recognizes when he's in the room with you and Roll refused to go to sleep because he wants to play and have attention. And so, you know, we agonized for long periods of time over this. And, uh, you know, we let perfect be the enemy of good. Our adherence to sticking to the perfect uh, put us into some dangerous situations. You know, we were going, you know, potentially days without sleep. And eventually, you know, I just said, like, look, Whatever, you know, potential suboptimal thing is going to happen as a result of, of, you know, not exactly following the perfect advice that you get is going to be way better than whatever's going to happen when we are haven't slept for three days and are acting on brains that haven't slept for three days. Whatever's going to happen to him in that is way worse. So, like, Let's take the suboptimal route and see if we can get some rest. And we did. And it was way better. It actually ended up being way, way better. Uh, and I, I won't get into the, the full details of that story. But suffice it to say, um, you know, a lot of the advice you get is based on A, an average child, which is not a real child that exists, and B, um, an optimal situation, which is also a thing that doesn't exist. So you have to do what works as long as it's not you know, over the line in some way in that you're actively risking a serious harm to your kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like that is such a element of this that I have to tell myself a lot, right? Because like, and that's such an element of like the new parent stage versus the, uh, it, it's such a dynamic that exists between new parents and people who have been parents multiple times, right? You know, the new parent is like, I, I want to do everything perfect. I want to make sure I'm following all the pediatrician recommendations. I'm reading uh, books. I'm doing all the things. 
parent on their sixth kid is like yeeting them into a bassinet and saying like you know what (laughs) it's gonna be fine buddy please don't (laughs) eat your child into a bassinet that is not a good a good idea i don't care if it's your eighth child Um, please don't do that (laughs) tommy is very alliterative and not to be taken seriously most of the time (laughs) uh but yeah no i completely agree uh that is very common and i think uh i don't expect that you'll get you'll be free of that anxiety but you know hopefully you can hear my voice in the back of your head being like it's okay to (laughs) flex a little bit um don't hold yourself to an impossible standard it's better for you to get sleep and uh then try to hold to perfection and do in you know insane things in some sort of delirious half awake state <laughs> um uh, having a p- parent that's present and thoughtful is so much better than anything else um that yeah so um all that said i think you know um i won't spend a ton of time on this i think uh, just as I mentioned, like, you know, emotional capacity, of course, you mentioned past traumas, and I mentioned ADHD, and, you know, all that said, like, fundamentally, if emotional capacity is a struggle for you in general and in life, um, there's nothing better than just getting straight up therapy to talk about what might be consuming your emotional capacity, whether that's a past trauma or some thing you haven't unpacked from your childhood or whatever, you know, if uh, and I recognize, uh, trust me, as uh, we said in episode one, this is leftist podcast, and access to mental health is not universal, um, which is a crime against humanity. But if you have access to it, please utilize it. Uh, it is um, so helpful uh, for a lot of these things related to emotional capacity and and whatnot. Um, I recognize that doesn't apply to everyone. And if you are not have access to that, it does not make you worse or a bad parent or whatever. Um, But it will improve your life uh, if you have access to it. Uh, So if you can get therapy, if you can't, it's okay. Uh, Do your best. Yeah. And I mean, and be aware of the fact that even if you think you're completely like on the up and up in the level and good, parenting is something that will bring up things in you that you didn't know were in there like you know mm-hmm. issues that you didn't know you had went through things from your own childhood you had forgotten about i am like as i've been just in the entering this proto pre-parent phase running into things it's like man i had not processed that from when i was a kid i need to process that now um yeah, and I mean, I you know, I am of the field of argument, and I, I obviously I agree. Like, not our our inadequate access to mental health is a crime against humanity. Uh, it is part of this. In my is that I think everyone needs therapy. Literally, everyone needs therapy. In the same way that everybody needs physical health care. Like, phys- yeah. physical health problems aren't something that only a small subset of humans get no everybody has a physical health problem at some point during their life everybody needs to go to yearly annual physicals ideally ideally um everybody needs to go to therapy at least yearly uh, ideally um and yeah parenting is going to bring this stuff up in in you um so i think that kind of wraps up everything we have on this 
any last additions you want to make to the topic? No, just give yourself permission to be imperfect because we all are. And parenting is informed by science and that's important, but it is not a science. It is an art. And uh, your child is a unique combination of factors that has never been before seen in the history of the world. And you should give yourself permission to wing it a little bit when you need to, because you will need to. A hundred percent. Well, thank you all for, well, before I get into the goodbyes, I got to remember, we actually have, uh, we, we exist places on the internet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, where all can everyone find us? Eventually I'll remember this and I won't have to keep asking you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. You can find us on Facebook. We have uh, facebook.com slash raise them left. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash raise them left. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to, uh, hit the like button on this video and hit the subscribe button to our channel and click the notification bell so that you d don't miss an episode of raise them left. Um, if you really like what we do here and you want to support us and make sure that we can continue to do it and can improve uh, the podcast with um, uh, you know, new and exciting things, uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash left. We have lots of different tiers. Every single one will get you access to the exclusive Raisin Left Discord where you can join uh, the community we are trying to build of uh, parents approaching this from a leftist perspective who can support each other with uh, advice and mutual aid and all that good stuff. Um, and, you know, including other benefits, getting to hear episodes a week early and uh, possibly getting Tommy or I to read your name or even up to uh, helping us decide on the topic for an episode. So if you really want to support the podcast, uh, check us out on Patreon. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, whatever time of, well, have a good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever other time of day it is. Thank you for joining us. That was awkward as an outro. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>